Yo, yo, what is up? I'm super hyped. I can barely contain myself. But yeah. what's up? This is your boy, JT Joshua Taylor, founder, host of Break Into the Future. I got my guy here. We, we just met, I don't even think a week ago, but we're like buddies already. Zachary Roth, you hit me uh, up. I love it. What's up, dude? How you doing, man? I'm very good. It's been a great day. Nice, man. Where, where are you? Where are you in the world? I'm in downtown Chicago and pretty hot out. So I'm staying inside with the AC for now. But, you know, it's the July 4th tomorrow. So we got fireworks all today, all tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Summertime shy, man. I love July 4th in Chicago. Have you been to Chicago? Huh? Have you been to Chicago? Yeah, I was there like two weeks ago. Oh, I think you mentioned that last week, actually. Yeah, yeah like July, June 12th weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that I was there. Uh, my one of my friends graduated from business school, uh, University or uh, New York Western uh, Kellogg. So, mm-hmm. if only we would have known each other. Um, so was, he was he in like the MBA program or anything? Yeah, full time MBA program. Yeah. Really? Because I just I had like a part time job that I don't anymore that I was just doing on the weekends where I was like bartending on these boats that go on the Chicago River, and we had the entire Kellogg school of executive MBA graduates all celebrating. They got pretty hectic. I'm sure. Yeah. MBAs can be a little, little rough around the edges. <laughs> I was interested in interesting that most of them were not in finance or like banking or anything. They were all just doing their own thing. Like more like some of it was like psychology. Some of it was technology or tech stuff. Um, one guy was in the CIA. So I'm curious what he's going to do. Yeah. What, what his real name is. <laughs> yeah, you, you look intimidating yeah i'm sure <laughs> that's cool that's cool bro um yeah man just you know tell the people who you are background anything you want to share and how, how you got uh to go down the black hole of, of crypto man we can just get into it sure yeah so i got a music degree at, from depaul in chicago mm-hmm. in 2019 and shortly after so i was never really super invested in investments during college. Unfortunately, I wish I was, but I was paying attention to Bitcoin in like 2017, but I was mainly just watching it from the outside and like observing just the volatility of it. And I didn't even, I, I was not really experienced even in equity markets. So I never would even think about going to like crypto or Bitcoin altcoins, et cetera mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but I've since like, so shortly after graduating, I realized that I really wanted to get into finance. Like my brother's a market maker, so I'd always been around trading. Mm-hmm. I've always understood like just the market structure and mechanics of like derivatives and things. Mm-hmm. So I got really into that and I started going down the CFA route, started studying for that. Um, I'm still planning to take it, I, although I do kind of see a little trouble in the future for the, like we talked about, some of the, the content might be somewhat obsolete when you think about how it's all structured around that risk-free rate, which yeah, is so impervious. But um, so then I started going down. Just like crypto had been in its bear market at the time, I started paying attention. Unfortunately, like I, I didn't start investing at that time as much as I should have, but I um, I was just watching it with the new like the newfound perspectives that I had from the CFA curriculum. Um, and I was just applying those to this new field and I was just picking up on it super quick. And I feel like 
I never had a problem accepting the technology. Like I understand it's an unproven technology. Like if you look at Apple, the stock, um, if someone made this argument on a podcast, I forgot who, it was probably on Bankless or something. Um, but the, the stock itself from like the 80s until like 2007 or whenever the iPhone came out or 2009 or whatever, um, it was an unproven technology and nobody really knew. Mm-hmm. Like they were the underdog at the time. Like now we can't even imagine that. Like they're this two and a half trillion dollar company. Like we can't even imagine this. But at the time, like there's that commercial from the 80s where they have like everybody um, all looking the same and being the same. But then like the Apple commercial on the TV. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but they just tried to be, like to position themselves as the underdog. Mm-hmm. And so they had just massive volatility for a long time. And like, they never, the market never really, really understood the, like how to value Steve jobs. <laughs> and they didn't know, like, like he was volatile himself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And he's like the centralized, like demigod in the center of all of it. Hmm. Um, you have a comparable comp for today's age. I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, are you talking about Elon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah elon you're right i think they're both i bet steve would have been a huge troll if he was given the chance oh yeah um, he, was, he was always loud always saying like i remember when they android tried google tried to come out with android it's like he's like we're gonna crush them like he was going crazy like we're gonna take almost, almost in like a trumpy way like trump would i could see doing that type of stuff where he's just trying to be threatening from a business standpoint um so yeah like i I just like comparing crypto now to apple then Mm. where like now apple's so ubiquitous like you go down the street eight out of ten of your neighbors have apple products right here like we're both on Macs too it's like um it's ubiquitous and so i'm like people don't even understand what's going on behind the scenes at apple in terms of like the technology i think crypto is going to get to that point the same way where like you don't even know you're using crypto you don't even know you're on a blockchain you're just going to be on your phone or you're just going to be on your watch or whatever yeah. um yeah. so i like I, I see these parallels so clearly but like i understand so many people have trouble and they're like they're perma bears basically on the technology where um like i still have people bring up to me almost every time i bring up crypto to them they'll bring up like money laundering or yeah like, Things like that. And I'm like, there are There's documents. No, yeah. No, you can go. Right, like right, one or right, 2% of all blockchain transactions of like 2018 or whatever. Someone did a huge research report. It was like one to two to two and a half percent of all transactions were like shady or illegal or like found to be used nefariously. Yeah, and I'm a, like, okay. Chain analysis did that. Yeah, on chain analysis, you can find it. It's on the Etherscan. It's on the Binance Smart Chain scan. And then meanwhile, you'll have, I think it's like 10, I don't know the exact number, but it's like 10 or 12 years. JP Morgan's had like 300 billion in fines or like a billion dollars a year in fine. Or I, I don't remember the numbers, but they're, they're money laundering every year and they're cornering the silver market every year. Mm-hmm. Like they just buy spot and sell short the future. Mm-hmm. And then they just manipulate it in ways like the Hunt brothers did or wanted to. Um, yeah. So, like, with crypto, I just, I've always been a fan, and, like, volatility right now is a feature. The the markets are, like, inefficient, and the derivatives are are not as outsized as they are in equity. So, like, it creates this, like, this imbalance between the, like, the hodlers full-time who keep, like, raising the price floor. 
like this new $30,000 level, I think was like what 3000 was for a long time. Mm-hmm. Where like the whole, there were enough hold lows at that time to always like hold that 3000 level, even in COVID it hit 3000 or so. And then it just, it never went back down there. Uh, and it dead cut bounced off of it and is to the races. It's kind of like with Amazon, they hit their low after the tech bubble. I forgot what it was. It was like 16 or maybe 74 or something per share. And then it never went, never kept going down. It just kept going up. So like if you bought that day, it's literally only been up for you. Mm-hmm. Like until 3,500 or wherever it's at now. Yeah. Um, question. How do you, un- how do you understand that? Okay. We just hit a bottom or the neck, the neck of this dip of Bitcoin and the rest of the market, like, that support level at 30k ethereum hit that support level at 2000 2200 like or just any just crypto overall right like okay how do like how do you get people to understand that and have conviction you can't teach people how to have conviction but like what else no, you can also teach people to like deal with the drawdown <laughs> they have to have to learn it on their own what's a drawdown so the drawdown is like Let's say you, you buy at 30,000 and it dips to 20,000, you're down what 33%. Yeah. Yeah. And losses. Yeah. A lot, like if you buy SPY, it'll never ever go down 33% in like a day or a week. Why? Maybe because just the derivatives and the structure of who's involved and the fact that they have so much backstops in the Fed. And like even the New York Stock Exchange, if they wanted to, they could just stop trading. They they have their limits too on futures. I think it's like 5% up and down. So like if it ever goes up 5%, it's opening limit up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And they're not letting it go higher or lower. Mm -hmm. And the same thing in the downside. So what is a derivative? So derivative, you got the equity spot. Um, So let's say you got like the S&P 500 index. Um, But then you have the S&P futures which are derivatives of that index. Um, and so you can trade them basically 24-7 uh, or 24-5. You can't do it on the weekends. Um, for now. For now. But they it actually just, re- like a few days ago, I got an email saying that they're removing the 315 to 330 time mm-hmm. where they used to stop all trading just so they can do like reconciliation. And it, it made sense before because they had pits. So they had people like screaming out, buys and sells at the end of the day that they had to do all this reconciliation at that time. So now they don't have pits. It's all digital trading. So they just don't need that time anymore. So they just recently removed that. So now you have continuous trading 24, five, except Saturday, Sunday. Um, I'm talking about for like equity index futures and commodities and whatnot. And it'll differ from exchange to exchange. Cause like, if you go, if you're on the Dow, I'm pretty sure you're on CBOE, but if you're on like S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ futures, you're on CME. So you have different, you got to pay different fees for the data. Um, but you also have different rules of like the, just the times that you're able to trade. So um, it's all pretty complicated actually. Like it, it's more complicated than it needs to be, but yeah. um, there's a lot of moving parts. Like, like it, it makes sense for like people, People always talk about shorts nowadays and how the shorts are bad in equity markets and things, but it's very obvious to the people who know that the shorts are good yeah. and that they help maintain like the health of certain things. They don't let it get too frothy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So 
that's kind of a long way to just say I'm all about crypto. I think like there's plenty of broken centralized idiosyncrasies within like the, the equity markets that are just infinitely backstopped by the Fed, um, no matter what happens. So that's like the reasoning why I don't think SPY will ever go down 30% in a week, but like Bitcoin might, because no one's in control of it. Or, you know, all if Bitcoin does that, all coins might go down 60% that week. Like they're, they're almost like leveraged tokens reflecting bitcoin's price sometimes yeah will, will, will bitcoin and in, in the crypto markets ever get more mature to where you're not seeing those drawdowns and 50 percent 100 percent uh gains in a one day um i, th- I think yeah. there will always be some of that because there will always be new tokens and there will always be new technologies that are trying to be innovative and cutting edge and the market won't know how to react to that all the time Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was saying with Apple it's like it, it, the volatility is a feature of an unproven technology it's not a bug and like you're asking with a derivative of, of a like Sam Bankman Fried actually I saw this on my LinkedIn profile because you commented on it where Sam Bankman Fried was going on a, a podcast and he's talking about like the he's not really worried about the regulation on crypto as a whole, he's more worried about the lack of regulation and a framework for the derivative markets in equity in crypto because, um, like, he's I think aware of the outsized effect that it has on the the spots markets and equity. Yeah. Where like I don't I think if like the GameStop and AMC stuff, like that is just this like reflexive effect of having too much derivative power where like you buy calls and the market makers have to buy the shares to hedge against you because they're short the calls on you. Mm-hmm. So it just creates this reflexive, like impulsive move up that like that's the gamma squeeze. And that's just like an effect of the market structure at hand. And it's not really like this natural price action. Yeah. And so like the derivative markets in crypto are just not, like you'll have 10 different exchanges, you know, 10 different Bitcoin prices and premiums and arbitrage opportunities that are just not existent in the centralized equity future market. Is that a good thing that it's so, so separate in different prices? I think it's interesting because it's almost more pure because you don't have all these moving parts around it that are artificial in the sense that like you, you don't have the hedging games, you don't have the speculative games that are happening in derivatives and like they do in equity. Um, so you, your question about will it ever not, like will the drawdowns like be smaller and the volatility shut down um, in crypto? And I don't know, I don't think, I can't answer that because it's, it's hard to say. Like right now, I don't really understand why we have so many different derivative prices of the same Bitcoin futures contract or the same perpetual futures contract. That might be a better question for an exchange engineer. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say where the future of crypto derivatives will go. Cause like just recently China banned leverage, I think. And derivatives are all leveraged. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. You saw a lot of leverage come out of the system in the last four weeks. Um, I think that's what was happening. What do you think of the accusation at Tether that Tether is just like holding up the Bitcoin market where it's not actually one for one US dollar. It's just like they take the US dollar and then they go and buy Bitcoin. I feel 
feel like they would have come out about that already. I'm like, that might be smoke and mirrors, potentially. I'm not saying I'm correct. I just like it's noise. I think USDC, the uh, US dollar circle, the company circle for everyone, um, they're a stable coin. Um, they are the leader in that space. Tether, I don't know much about them. I just feel like that's noise. If something comes out eventually, like kind of like Ripple, like Ripple is weak. Like, yeah, Ripple has their controversies because they, their owners are holding so much of the tokens. Um, but as a stable coin, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if like that's real or not. Yeah, with stable coins, uh, it's really interesting where like you, every time you go on a top 10 list of crypto or top 20, like two or three of them are stable coins. You got a lot of you got USD. We're in the top 10 now, I believe. Let's check, the top 10. Let's check it. Um, Do you check on coin, micro, uh, coin market cap? I'm a gecko guy. I'm a coin gecko. Gecko, really? Yeah. I kind of like the interface on coin market cap more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've just been following the coin gecko. That's just the first one I got exposed to. You got 10 yeah. free. Uh, yeah, it's just oh, it's just Tether and USDC. Let's check. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, those two. Well, another really good one, I think, that a lot of people use for for, for uh, perp trading and futures trading in crypto, where they the Bybit, BYBT. You read yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it shows you all the open interest across different exchanges, like for each currency. What is so, open like, interest? Uh, open interest is like are long or if you're short a contract, um, then that's open interest. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it all sums up to the number of OI. So if you have like five people are long, five people are short, I'm pretty sure that's 10 open interest then. Yeah. Um, maybe it's five because you have a buyer seller, but I'm pretty, I don't know. That's where I'm a little confused on the structure of derivatives in, in crypto compared to equity. Because when you're in equity, if you have five, people short five people long it's not like the longs are long like where the people who are short are selling it to them it's like you're all if you're short you're selling it you're borrowing it from the exchange and you're selling it back to the exchange and then like the exchange is always the centralized counterpart so you have no counterparty risk when you're trading in these futures derivatives mm -hmm. um so yeah in crypto i don't know it's just i don't really you have a whole series of like these independent market makers who providing liquidity and it's kind of complicated again like i'm not an engineer at an exchange or i'm not behind the mechanics of an exchange so i think i'm not the one to answer that but it, it gets complicated and it's really interesting i think yeah definitely yes we're definitely getting real really into the mechanics of the markets i love it what what would you what do you think about the investing space like um the Meme stocks, you see Forex trading getting really big in equities. You see crypto people coming in wanting to, you know, make these ginormous returns because of the volatility, great risk, there's great reward. 100x coins, you see it's kind of quiet right now because we're going sideways. So people aren't as hyped. Um, a lot of the, you know, newbies are out, out, checked out. What do you think about this? More like you got public, the social trading app. Like it's kind of like how, how I see it is Web2, really, you had a voice, right? SoundCloud, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all this stuff, TikTok. 
Web3 is like, oh, now everyone can trade. Everyone can trade derivatives. Everyone could, you know, everyone has a voice financially, right? It's like this open source investing kind of. What do you think about the new landscape and the future of investing as a whole? Not just in crypto, but just everything. Yeah, investing is, I think, changing um, dramatically just with the onset of the no commissions and then um, everybody being able to do it from our phone and then like the democratization of information that's getting spread out. So like you and I, we like 20 years ago, good luck looking up the open interests on something if you don't understand like how to operate e-trade or something i don't know like a lot of people i think got into investing maybe during the dot-com bubble and then they got out when they lost a lot of money because they realized they should just buy spy or something um so now with like this web 3.0 thing i think the creator economy is going to explode like what you talk about with the metaverse i think that's like people are waking up to that real quick um and then in terms of equity I, I can't really say actually i do have somewhat of a prediction i'm a little bit extreme here i understand but like if you think about it really it's not that extreme so i think nasdaq will hit twenty thousand this year it's at almost fifteen thousand right now i think we're going to tech bubble 2.0 i think tesla's going above 900 it's old all-time high i think apple's continuing to go up amazon i wouldn't be surprised if it's at four thousand soon and all of that's like fang and tesla is all like 45 to 50% of NASDAQ. I think NASDAQ is only like 30 something percent away from 20,000. So like people were wearing Dow 10,000 hats a long time ago and then Dow 20,000. Now we're at like Dow 35,000. I think NASDAQ's going to 20,000 like sooner than people think. Um, I, yeah, I remember this guy on this this podcast, on this show called The Me to Report. He was a trader or whatever. He was saying that Dow is going to hit 50,000. This was like in 2015. This dude was saying this in 20, 2016, 2016, yeah. 17. And I was like, really? Because I was all like, it's going to crash. It's over. But like that, I guess to my question now, it's like, is that on a return, a real, a true, not like real returns or based off dollar, nominal dollar, like the dollar is the dollar just getting weaker and we're getting inflated asset price inflation but like on a dollar adjusted basis, basically meaning guys that and ladies that, okay, just because the price of your house is going up doesn't mean you're actually, it's getting asset appreciation. It just, the dollar is less, it's worth less. So is it more dollars to buy that house yeah. than it did yeah. five years ago? Each dollar was worth more. Buy that certificate of ownership of that stock. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what's happening. So like, if you look, I have this one article on Medium where I'm drawing a lot from Raul Paul's thesis where um, he's awesome. Yeah, he, I want he's a good salesman. <laughs> yeah, he, he'd be great. He, um, so it, he started looking at Bitcoin against all these other um, like charts where he would look at it against the S&P 500. He'd look at it against NASDAQ. He'd look at it against like oil. Um, but then he started looking at it against the Fed's balance sheet. Yeah. And you just see from 2008, the S&P 500 by itself, the notational number is higher and higher and higher. So the number on paper and the price of it is higher and higher. But the value of it in relation to the amount of dollars printed and that are on the Fed's balance sheet, like since 2008, it took like a nosedive. 
with quantitative easing in the bank bailouts. Yeah. And you, you see that more clear than any other chart is when it's S&P 500 or NASDAQ against the Fed's balance sheet. You just see it goes from like 0. 0.0016 or something to 0. 0.0004. Mm. So it basically lost 75% of its value yeah. in 2008. And I'm not saying like we didn't lose 75% of our purchasing power, but like we're just precipitously rising up. I use that word in the article because it's just like this meandering up yeah. and that's the notational value. But like we, we're not even close. We're at like 0. 0.0005 right now yeah. of like Fed's balance sheet against um the S&P 500, for example. So it is exactly what you're talking about, where it's just more and more dollars to do the same thing yeah. or to buy the same thing. Yeah. So, so like, okay, let's get straight to it. Hyperinflation, real inflation, 1970s. We didn't have hyperinflation, but it was a very inflationary time. We took the gold, we went off the gold standard, Fort Knox, all that stuff. Uh, we, um, this time you think you, you hear the hyperinflation. I, I know you follow uh, the big short, uh, Barry, Barry uh, legend. Uh, he, he went dark again uh, saying, hey, Weimar Republic, which is basically guys, World War I, Germany. They were a leader. They were a killer, but they got decadent in their empire. And their, their, uh, their what was it? What was their, their currency? The Frank? I don't know. Oh, probably. No, I think it's a mark. a mark or something. Uh, sounds, I don't know that answer. Yeah. Do your research, look it up. Um, but we, the Weimar Republic, they went the hyperinflation carrying barrels just to buy a loaf of bread. And so we see some inflation right now. COVID was definitely an exacerbation of messed up supply chains. Price uh, supply demand was just all jacked up. And you're starting to see inflation. We've been seeing inflation in assets, but definitely in housing. Lumber was all screwed up. That's balancing out. Groceries, for sure. Groceries, for sure. Meat, for sure. Mm. Meat, like the meat here was like, what the freak? Like, what's going on? Um, gas prices are going up steadily, you know, good 10, 20% in some yeah, places. You look at oil since like October, it's like doubled in price, I think. Yeah. And then when you do that, like people talk about like gold going up $10 or $40 or silver going up $5, which is huge actually. But yeah, silver is only $25 for like the ounce or whatever, or whatever. I'm thinking of the futures prices. So like if it goes up $1, that okay, it's like you're making like all the futures contracts are leveraged. So they're all going up like way more than $1. Whoever's trading that is doing decent, but like, the companies like a gold company, they might not be profitable when gold is 1750, just based on the, their, their, their cost of, yeah. of leaning in certain areas and things. So if gold gets to 1800, 1850, like what if that's like, let's say 1750 is their break even. So everything above that is just like money right above 1750. And then let's say it goes to 1900. Now they're just like, they're levered to the hill basically. Cause they're like, everything is, it makes sense for them to just like borrow and yeah. mine, borrow and mine. Yeah. Like there's these mining royalty firms where they like give you all this money, but they get the royalties of the mining, mm -hmm. like the, whatever you get out of it. Yeah. So like they are, you'll see gold stocks during a gold run go from like 10 cents to $15 or $20, you know? And Cause the futures are there, the futures contracts. 
Well, like the, the price of gold, I'm just saying, is just like not reflective of like the actual value of the industry when it goes up. Where like if gold goes up 20%, like some of these mining stocks might go up 300% because yeah. they're yeah. so levered in the price of gold. Yeah. Same with silver, same with copper and all that. Yeah. Like there's so much crazy boom and bust cycles in commodities. Um, I started paying attention to it when uh, I heard about Marin Katusa. Have you heard of him? Who? Marin Katusa. He has his own firm called Katusa Research. Yeah, he, he's been he's been in a big he's been in the space. He's been like a leader for years. Yeah, I've been following him for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I follow him. I listen to a lot of his podcasts, and I've read this one. You what? He's entertaining. Like you just tell he loves what he does. Like he's really. He, he's so like. He kind of reminds me of like a non-funny version of Anthony Jeselnik, where he's just like brooding and dark, but <laughs> very smart and knows what exactly what he's talking about. He's been um, in space for like two decades. Like, like oh, wow, he's been like. Well, you know the story. He started as a calculus teacher. Yeah. And, and so he was in Vancouver. Um, I can't remember the, like, uh, maybe it was calculus, maybe it was chemistry. I don't remember exactly, but he, he found, oh, tungsten is what it was. So tungsten are like the, the filaments in these light bulbs. Um, not like this one I have here, which is, I think, LED or something, but like tungsten is the little shaky stuff, I think, that's in there. Um, for some reason, he did his own independent research while he was a, uh, just a high school or something teacher. And he just mortgaged his house, like took a second mortgage on it, got some massive loans, had all the savings, put it into tungsten stocks, killed it, like came out of it a multimillionaire and then just kept doing that. And now he's like, he has his own, his own thing now called like the Katusa warrant where he just gets in super early because of all of his connections in the precious metal industry. So he gets in super early on something and then they have, they, they like created this, like um, financially engineered this new thing where he gets like a certain vesting schedule on his warrants. And I don't know all the details. He talks about it more in, in detail in his, his own interviews, but yeah, um, yeah he's, a, he's a monster in the precious metal space. I'd love to work with him one day or invest. Cause he has, his, I, I, I just got to subscribe to him because he lets his own investors in on these Katusa warrants with him. Yeah, so like you get in at the price that he gets in at. Yeah, I'm gonna sound like I'm shilling him now that I think about it, but yeah. um, I just think he's cool and a unique investor out there. We definitely gotta get him on board, man. Find him, yeah. reach out to him. Um, well, I actually did reach out to him where I only got in touch like maybe with his assistant or something, but um, I heard the story of Warren Buffett like offering to somebody, I forgot who, like the guy who wrote some famous book, but he offered him um to work for a year for free just to learn the tricks in the trade of stocks back in the day um and the guy accepted it and he did do a whole year of working in for free yeah um but like buffett had some family help during that time so they helped him get by i think um and so i actually messaged and like emailed and tried to call them and do the same thing and I never went, went anywhere, but I did the same sort of offer where I was like, Marion, I'll work for you for free. Yeah. But, Strappy. I like it. I feel like that's, that's the same kind of reputation that everyone that comes on to break into the future kind of has. It's just curiosity, Scrappy. I mean, to be in this, this place this early, you have to be curious. 
the guy I listened to who created Hashcash, I forgot his name, but he was on the podcast just before me. He, uh, I was really impressed with him. He had like started a bunch of businesses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sold a bunch of them. He's been scrapping since the beginning. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. I came from India. Americans, American story. Definitely reach out to him and tell him I sent you. And I was thinking when we first started talking, like just to have like a break into the future, like network where we all yeah. just come together, like have community calls, just like have those. I mean, I'm sure everybody in the network is like pretty purposeful and has like lives. Um, but just, I mean, if it's on the calendar, we can talk like an hour, just 45 minutes and just like, you know, figure out some way to build the community, the internal community of Breaking the Future um, and just like bring more guests on, have fun, like even create like an on-site thing. And just like, you know, how like build the network, build the community of like, you know, people. So focus. Like, really, yeah, you can go, you go. Like we were talking about, it'd be kind of cool to have a directory or something mm -hmm. on the website. Yeah. So like everybody interviewed or everybody who is trying to get involved or is part of the discord or something like you can have a profile or something with all of your work on the website with, it's just all, um, it's all there for everybody to see. Yeah. almost like a blockchain explorer where yeah you, you can like locate different industries and different um connections that way that would be cool if you had a directory and you had a map so like um i think raj is in india right now so like if he, he there, it's a u.s-based company pay bit pit pay bitto is u.s-based but like he has people in india too so he like comes goes back and forth between india and the bay so it's like you can see him on the map like india you can click on his profile, like if someone was in like Singapore, like Chicago, Houston, and you like, hey, these were all of our network, like all of our leaders are, all of our people that have been on the podcast and stuff. So we'll we'll, we'll build it out, but that I think that would be cool. It could be cool too. Like we were talking about news things before the podcast, and a lot of where I get my news is newsletters, yeah. where I just keep up with the one project, and I might just skim every other newsletter or something because they do a lot of it i can't keep up with all the projects and all the newsletters yeah. but so i'll just see i'll just like have it in the back of my head and i'll see like different things that are happening or like a16z just raised 2.2 billion or whatever like I, I see those things in these newsletters so i i'm i'm staying up on it and yeah. maybe if it was like a break into the future newsletter where you had all these different projects and whenever something new is happening you just throw it in there I'm assuming, yeah if you look on the website newsletters coming soon i had it like 30 days but we'll probably wait and do it like probably the end of the summer. Just, just so like we could focus on media and content right now. But I thought about you maybe late last night or the earliest morning, whenever it was, I was like, man, maybe, maybe Zach uh, could be a, a content, like a contributing writer to break crypto and we could both write and, and break into the future together. And just write. Yeah, I think like there are a bunch of these little academies right now. Like there's, um, there's like Binance Academy and there's like Coinbase Learn and there's like co uh, Coin Market Cap Learn or Gemini something like too now. Well, Gemini is Cryptopedia, which I think is more of what I'm trying to think about here, where it's kind of this index of things where you, it's like a short little article that explains a really complicated concept in non-technical terms. I think that's really cool because yeah. not everybody needs to know the the mechanics and everything. That's like what we were saying. Like the future is the being on the blockchain without even knowing you're on it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah in the different stages like if you want to go deep like we have that but like most people are going to be on the fringes like the first two levels and then like it'll be less people on the way to the top right yeah i think what also needs to happen is an explanation of like the problems with the current system because a lot of people think that we might just be these crazy fear mongers living on the outside of yeah Yeah. but like we're just yelling about inflation and all this stuff and we're talking about like examples of hyperinflation like weimar or venezuela or something but then people will be like oh yeah they didn't have the u.s industry and they didn't have u.s um military that like defends the value of our dollar and everything so it's it's very nuanced conversation i think but like what like what i was talking about earlier i don't know if we were recording at this time but with the derivatives in the equity markets they are so like reflexive and the market makers are hedging against you in a way that like just the gamma squeeze is a perfect example of it where like i buy a call you you sell me you're short a call but you're also buying spot to hedge against me yeah. and it's 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 zero is a zero sum game it's zero sum but it's like it's directional in a way that is artificial because you have all these mechanics of market structure like infiltrating um like the buying and selling like the intentions of the buying and selling and it, like i'm saying reflexive is just the best word george soros talks about that all the time where markets are so reflexive um he goes way more philosophically into detail than i am right now but um yeah so i like that's a problem and that needs to be dealt with i think or that needs to be like mitigated yeah. in a way that it's not now like also finra like they're the ones who just did the 70 million dollar fine to robin hood yeah. and i'm like okay so the what robin hood did bad was like poor communication and the shutdowns during the gamestop thing like that's what this fine is about yeah but then the money is going to finra which is a SRO, a self-regulated organization, which is a non-government entity that has people within the industry. So there's people from Morgan Stanley, there's people from Goldman Sachs who were like on the boards of FINRA who are deciding like, yes, we need to do 70 million, not 69 million, not 71 million. We need to do $70 million fine. We need to put Robin Hood in their place and we're going to get all that money. But I'm like, you're not the one who lost money on this. It's like the, the retail investors who were involved in GameStop have been ga- involved in naked and all these, these meme stocks yeah like they're the ones who lost money like why does not 70 million get sent to them like in DeFi, for example yeah i was i was a uh, yield farming on a uh, pancake bunny uh, it's not the greatest name but it's on binding smart chain it's called <laughs> and pancake money it was so there was a it's still there they used to have like six or seven billion total value locked it was insane and now they have lock, right what this is not pancake swap, right? No, that's pan- so pancake swap is like the real deal, the best decks on Binance Smart Chain. Um, pancake Bunny was like this yield aggregator, um, just kind of built off pancake swap. Like it, they even talked about, uh, like they have their own bunny token, and then pancake swap has its cake token. Pancake Bunny was like, there is some, some line on their website saying that it was like built to help you maximize your yield cake <laughs> <laughs> oh my god something like that but they also let you get yield on like stable coins and a lot of really interesting like the binance token yeah. um you can get yield on that 
pools and things. Yeah. So you they have less than a billion pool value locked, but they had like six billion when they got hacked. And so what I'm saying here is like this FINRA example is an example of like a centralized self-regulated organization that's not even like a government. It's just their own version of a government for one industry. Um, they're deciding the fine on one of their industries that they're like in cahoots with Robinhood, the exchange. So they decide that they get the investors who were harmed with the reason for the fine, they get nothing. But then on funny, which the first one like I'm saying is like, compare that to like, Oh, like the esteemed FINRA, the esteemed Goldman or like, I don't know. So in pancake, they, they got hacked. They got like, 200 million stolen or something i don't even remember um yeah that's the investor's money it's not like yeah money. it's still alive man it's freaking and what they did is they created this pool that like if you had your money stolen from the pool and you could prove it which you can do with transactions usually on the on the blockchain um you were given this other token as like a bounty but like a just a very sort of apology like that was their fine kind of like that was their version of finding themselves where they like gave value to the people who had money stolen from them. And like, you're not going to find that in the equity markets. That was kind of a long way to talk about this comparison, but yeah. I'm just trying to like compare the two and it's totally different. Yeah. No, I saw it good, bro. This, this is awesome, bro. Like, um, that's like, sometimes I just wanted to like go, however the conversation goes, like, but then if, if it's things that are kind of like very detailed, I want to explain it so people can learn and research for themselves and always be educational, always be learning, because this is about the 99% to teach them what the future is going to be like, whether it's crypto blockchain, electric vehicles, solar, robotics, AI, Internet of Things, you know, teleportation, <laughs> whatever, whatever deep tech, frontier tech, whatever, you know, even the... Um, that, that, you know, even poverty or just, you know, emerging markets, everything. And so mm -hmm. I want to be able to teach people we're focused on this season one of crypto blockchain. We might do it through the, through the rest of the year and start something else, but definitely we'll still have crypto and blockchain people on because we're, okay. like, we're knee deep. We're knee deep. And I see the, this bull run going through 2020 into 2022 um, just because you have institutions like, those new support levels holding holding these levels um well, the price floor, which it's like it's like the, the price floor keeps rising mm -hmm. like every cycle it's just more people who start understanding and believe of how blockchains and crypto can affect the world but it's almost interesting in a way too speculating me owns some of the bigger coins the things that I'd probably buy, but he he will like his arguments are coming more so from like a regulatory standpoint. Who, who are you speaking about? It kind of went out. Yeah, so my brother he looks at it more skeptically than I do. Mm. Um, I'm actually kind of forgetting the point I was trying to make. <laughs> so we'll move on. Oh, again, no, the floor, like the floor is rising, but your brother could be like, ah, I don't feel so good about this optimistic viewpoint of crypto rising up potentially. 
either it's my signal going low or is crap. Oh. Yeah, so I think with every cycle, we've seen the price floor just go higher and higher. And that just is like evidence of people believing in the future of this technology. But at the same time, it's evidence of the holdler count rising. Like we, all the on-chain metrics are showing like the more and more wallet addresses are holding more and more tokens. And um, it's interesting where like, this is an asset that like, I guess it's not that much different than Apple actually, but like we were talking about earlier, but it's an asset that like 50 plus percent of people are just hodling. Like they're not holding, they're hodling. Like they don't want to sell it yeah. for X amount. Like they, what is their price? I don't know. Like what is Michael Saylor's price that he's holding it to? Like, I don't even think that he has that in his head. He just, yeah. he doesn't even care. He, he can go underwater. Yeah. This is just a d directional bet for him. Like he just sees it's going up. He'll buy it at 38. He'll buy it at 41, like whatever. Yeah. He doesn't care if he goes underwater. He's like, I'm, I got, I'm, I'm liquid, so it doesn't matter. It's his numbers were insane in the beginning. Where like MicroStrategy is a software company. They make like forty million or fifty million in revenue every year, I think, and that's revenue, not profit. No, they make closer. They make they're they're in the they're in the nine digits. Um, let's see, they're public. Yeah, you should look it up actually. But what I. I remember just looking into it when it, when he did all that stuff at the beginning. And I remember like if, if they're making 40, 50 million a year in revenue and then they bought in at like, I don't know, 15,000 or 20,000 or something like their average price is like 26,000, I think, or 24. Um, like if they bought in there when they were at, when we were at 60 something thousand, they had like 30 years of revenue just from profit on their Bitcoin investment when it was at that price could have sold them in good if, yeah and just bought back but you know yeah. What if, if they, yeah they did under half a billion last year okay maybe i was wrong <laughs> I mean, um, they've been pretty stagnant for a while they've been pretty stagnant last five years what are you looking at that on oh, i'll see the link it's on market watch just like simple financials yeah I don't know where I got that 50 million. I must've just forgot a zero, but still it's like, if they're making 2 billion off of Bitcoin in a few months, like they, that's four years of revenue for them right there. I think they were going to lead a trend. Um, more corporate balance sheets to pick up Bitcoin, but it's really only been a handful that have followed suit. Yeah, well, I'm about to send it. Where is it? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting to see. I would love to interview him. Who doesn't want to interview him? Have you seen an interview where he's like, there is no second. There is no second. I haven't seen that, but I heard about it. It's funny. I, yeah. His, I mean, his, his logic is great. I would love to, like, be the devil's advocate on his bullishness on Bitcoin. And just... Yeah. And just like go, like not go at him, but just challenge everything. And so he could answer those questions for people. Yeah. He's looking at it like, like my perception of him. I remember when he first made the purchases when I first heard of him. And I started watching this video series he did with Robert Breedlove, who is like 
a reformed maximalist where he used to be a maximalist and now he's like you know what some of these altcoins are okay yeah. and um but michael pump pump, pump yeah because he's making investments in other companies that like support altcoins so it's like you're not you can't be a maximalist he's saying he's doing that but he's saying he's like maximalist though so he's kind of like follow the money bro i don't know yeah he's, don't be damien don't be jamie diamond i would interview i would interview jamie diamond too i don't care oh yeah we're all gonna connect you with him. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Originally, <laughs> I was in the Chase building because I still bank with Chase. Like, yeah. sorry to say, but not all my money is in my on my MetaMask or anything. Yeah, but. no, I, I'm not fully crypto. I'm I have I still have Wells Fargo for now. Yeah, here we go. So Wells is probably <laughs> cooler, but also I was in the Chase building in Chicago recently, just like depositing stuff, and I was like, it reminded me of the scene from the big short where the guys go in and they're like trying to get funding from the upper level of some New York city chase building. Thank you Morgan chase. Yeah. So it just reminded me of being in like that situation, but I was not, not in that situation, but it's like that those buildings are so powerful and they're in control of so much. It's, it's like kind of disgusting. Like that's as centralized as finance is and it's way more than it should be. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. But okay, do you see what do you see? I think like you have like the pen pendulum, right? You have on the right the far, like you said, big uh the Bitcoin maximalists are like people who are just like super sovereign, laissez faire, uh anarchy, libertarian, whatever that scale is, and you have like people who are just like, no no regulation we don't need bitcoin this is not real whatever whoopie whoop i'm super against it elizabeth warren whoever's on that side then you have like okay CFI and DeFi will work together centralized finance old traditional finance and new decentralized finance crypto blockchain will work together where are you on that scale um well i from a regulatory standpoint i'm not entirely sure where i stand on there but from a like a market structure standpoint, I see CFI and DeFi working totally fine together. I think they can work, they can exist together concurrently with no problem. Um, I think there's use cases for private blockchains. I think there's use cases for public blockchains and maybe some use cases, like some people are all about decentralization. I don't think that's necessary 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, like, like I was talking before this call, we were talking about this potential interview i had the other day where it's like an ico governance platform and like this is for new coin releases and the idea is that smart contracts are in charge you don't have the vc funders um give you don't even give them the ability to dump on the, the retail or anybody else like um like that's an example where decentralized i think makes sense yeah um, but then centralized, like JPM or like Chase, JP Morgan Chase has their, their own blockchain. They have their own JPM coin, which is a stable coin. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they have a bunch of use cases that make total sense to do that. Like I know Visa allows you to settle in USDC. I think that just makes the conversion from fiat to, or from crypto to fiat so much easier. Um, and you and doing it within that centralized exchange system, like, I don't know. I, I, I see it existing totally fine alongside DeFi, um, where a lot of people are like, oh, you're trying to destroy this whole established banking system. I'm like, no, no, no. 
I think people should still have their options of like going and get loans from a predatory lender. I think people should still be given the option of like refinancing their house through a bank. Um, but at the same time, I think people should be given the option of like tokenizing their title to their house and selling it on the blockchain as an NFT. So like I see all the sides to it as making sense to me, but um, yeah. from a regulatory standpoint, I'm not sure. Like, how do you regulate regulate a uh, decentralized blockchain? Like, what what are you trying to stop from happening there? I don't know. Like fiat onboarding, like that's one thing. Know your customer, AML type of stuff. Like, I don't know. That's where crypto exchanges are getting hammered right now. Like Binance. No, uh, yeah. I yeah, they're hurting in the UK. They got Thailand going against them. Japan is against them now. It's like, you think they could fall? I don't know. Like, so when I was, I was talking about Pancake Bunny recently, or a little earlier, and I remember seeing that on Binance Smart Chain and just being like amazed that like this platform with a silly name and a silly bunny token, like it, the bunny token was like one hundred and seventy dollars at one point, or maybe more. I don't know. And it dropped to like thirteen dollars or ten dollars or whatever when they got hacked. That um, that's not volatile. That's just that's just. Well, that's a rug pull. That's different. But or not a rug pull. That that's just a freaking collapse. Yeah, that's a freak accident. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like that happening. Like watching the total value lock go from like six to seven billion to like less than a billion where it's at now i was amazed to see that so i, I wouldn't be surprised seeing like if you look up right now the top exchanges you got ftx number two binance number one they might have 25 billion dollars a day being traded and i wouldn't be surprised to just see binance's number getting smaller even though i do like binance i used it myself in the binance us app um i actually had the regular binance app until they made me delete it because <laughs> they they did the, they had Binance for everybody. And then they now have their Binance.us for US yeah. citizens. So I, I can't I, use it in Texas. Really? Mm -hmm. Nope. And I can't, I can't use Bybit either. Yeah, I've never used Bybit, but I know Gemini or no Kraken. So they were based in New York at first. And then New York has this like bit license thing, which is a really complicated uh, way of getting approved by the state yeah. to do exchanges but and so they hated it and they left i don't know where they're based off now but they're like i don't think they yeah crack and they don't let they're you here. trade in they're new york here. they're here well no they're in the u.s but they're not in new york anymore oh kraken headquarters yeah because they left new york because of the europe well maybe they left to europe but they started in new york oh san francisco that's where they're at now Let's see. San Fran. Yep. Currently. With Gemini, um, they did get the bit license. Like Gemini is a company that, who are all about asking for permission rather than forgiveness, which is probably the right way to go about it. Because um, it's a long game in crypto, man. This is, you're utterly evolving the, the, uh, the, the stack, the software stack, right? Like this is infrastructure build. You have to be tactical. Yeah. So I was like with Gemini in particular, I know a little bit about them, but they have like 250 million daily transactions or something on their platform. And that sounds like a lot. Of course it is, but they're the 18th biggest exchange in the world. Like Binance is 25 billion minimum daily. They're 
you know, 100 times the size of Gemini in terms of their transaction volume. Yeah, it's a lot of liquidity. Yeah. But FTX, though, I'm a huge fan of their exchange. Yeah, I Sam, getting Sam on here would be, like, lit. I love him. It's going to get it. I mean, he, yeah, he's just, like, he's the total package. Like, he's freaking genius. Yeah, he's, like, well, I have this one note on my phone. It's, like, study genius. I have, like, some of my favorite musicians. And then I got, like, Sam Bankman-Fried. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not hating on that at all. Yeah. Uh, like every interview I hear of him, I feel like him and Vitalik. I feel like are just on the same page of being on like a next level of decentralization, understanding, and application. Where things that they're saying now, yeah. I think will like papers will still be being written about it twenty five years from now, from now or forty years from now. Um, like with now, this is a huge jump. But like Einstein, like stuff that he talked about in the early, early 1900s, it's still like the gravitational waves thing, for example. Um, that took like a hundred years for that to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And like Vitalik, like a, a smaller example of that, which it did not take a hundred years at all. Like Vitalik's only 28, you know, um, yeah. and Ethereum is only six years old and look how much of an impact it's made. Yeah. Uh, maybe nine years old or whatever. I don't know. Some of these numbers might not be exa- exactly. Ethereum? Yeah, I think it's like six or eight years old or something. I think Ethereum launched in 2015 i think maybe it launched but i think he did something when he was 19 maybe he started working in the magazine at that time because yeah, he was trying to get on he was like this isn't working yeah it was something like that so uh, i'm just saying so he wrote an article one time about amms and the possibility of how they work like the automated market makers um which are like the a huge huge component of DeFi and all the DEXs out there and all the yield aggregation places like Curve and um, Balancer and Compound and everything, those are all involving these AMMs. And so Vitalik wrote an article about it and somehow a little mechanical engineer who self-taught coder named Hayden Adams came by and he read that article and he's like, this is a good idea. I'm gonna see what I can do here. And then he created the AMM. So like it was Vitalik's idea, but it was created like in code structurally by Hayden Adams, mm-hmm. who within, I don't even know the time frame, but it was like he got three to 4 million users super, super quickly on the Uniswap. So Hayden is the creator of Uniswap. I don't know if I made that clear. Uniswap is a freaking, people need to watch out. Uniswap is not playing games. I know that's the funny part where like Hayden got fired from a bank and then a few weeks later or a few months later or whatever, he creates Uniswap where it's like that, that protocol might make the bank that he got fired from obsolete in 20 years. Like that's genius. Yeah. I, do you, I see a major banking failure, maybe not in the U S but somewhere else. How so? So many people start to switch to different op- options, neobanks, crypto, people start cu- custodying their own money. Yeah. And it's just like, people, some, some bank is not going to adapt. Yeah. Well, I think one of the first things that's being dealt with, like Jack Mahler um, with Strike and everything in El Salvador, he's already dealing with it. Like there's a bunch of activists out there who 
became crypto rich and just realized like the, the, the unbanked population of the world or the underbanked. Um, and the fact that the remittances industry, $500 billion a year profit for banks, like estimated. So that's like, banks? sorry. So the remittances industry yeah. is like estimated 500 billion a year profit for banks. Now what that means is like someone from Colombia or someone from El Salvador they travel to the U.S. and they work these jobs that U.S. people don't want to work. And that's like working in the fields in like Florida orange farms or whatever. And then they make X amount of money and they have to send it back to their family at home because the family at home might not have the same opportunity to make the money. So that they're, it's called a remittance sense or remittance. And uh, the banks just profit off of each one of those like transactions that cross countries and borders and everything um and so bitcoin just completely gets rid of that the only money involved to do that is the mining fee or the network fee on the lightning network or for ethereum and be in ethereum um so that's like one of the first things that i think are going to go like people talk about the obsolescence of the pickup truck drivers or not pickup but the semi-truck drivers because those getting fully automated I think remittances are going to be automated in the sense that people are going to do self-custody and people are going to do these blockchain transfers that will just get rid of all the profit opportunity for the banks. Mm-hmm. And who knows what those ramifications can be for like these banks' balance sheets and their cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. Watch what they say. Watch what they do, not what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the war, man. What um where do you think we are in the next five years? Then where do you think we are in the next 10 years? With crypto? Yeah, crypto and how it's going to eat the world. Well, like I was saying earlier with the investments, I think the creator economy is going to explode and that might take five years. Who knows? Um, Maybe longer. I think it's going to come in waves, like kind of cycles the same way that crypto has been operating since the get-go, 2008, 2009. Yeah. So like right now, we're talking about the sideways action in Bitcoin and um like obviously bitcoin leads the market i think in the in the next year i was already saying i think i'm very bullish on tech stocks and nasdaq and i think nasdaq could easily get to twenty thousand, and that could be brought along through companies like tesla where like if bitcoin price goes up tesla price goes up microstrategy goes up like all the mining stocks go up and um i think like the equity markets don't know how to value the crypto companies and yeah for sure more companies, yes there's no yeah there's yeah and more like they don't even know how to value the underlying crypto so they obviously don't understand how to value the derivative company that owns the crypto yeah like you can think of it as a derivative in that sense but it's um so i think more and more companies will get more and more into crypto and i think crypto will keep going up in value and i think these companies will keep going up in value because of that, and it'll be like this reflexive thing. And it'll, there'll, there'll be instances of volatility, who knows, 20, plus 20, negative 20% a day, 40% a day, like we've seen it before. Um, so I think five years from now, like the whole influencer and creator economy will be different. The way people monetize their content will be different. Uh, I can't even start speculating as to how that'll happen. It'll just depend on the medium that we're existing in. Like BitCloud, it's its own medium. And that's a very unique way of monetizing yourself, I think. Like right now, you and I have our own profiles on there. We have our own coins. And it's interesting how like right now on Facebook, 
if you're commenting on a public page, your comment will pop up the highest and more people will see it if you have more followers and you get more engagement and it's like this algorithmic thing that's happening. But on something like BitClout, your your coin value will go up based on the the quality of your content. Yeah, it's mirror-based, not algorithm-based. Exactly. So I think that has a whole bunch of ramifications that we don't even understand yet in terms of like how people or not not necessarily how people ingest things but how the things that they ingest get in front of what they like get presented to them i think that's going to change and like what is presented to them will change like i think ads are going to be losing more and more value every year as an industry like you can't make affiliate marketing and all these um like these ad-based revenue streams, you can't really do the same thing on a Web 3.0 blockchain environment. Um, it's just, it's not built around that, unlike the internet, which has basically been built around ad revenue. And it'll be interesting because a lot of a lot of people say, like the internet is this amazing thing, but all the money and all the brain power is going to these companies that are monetizing uh individual users like facebook and google and everything like i think crypto is this brain drain in the in the opposite perspective so drain is not the right word but um it's like all the smart and powerful and not, not even just powerful but like the 99 percent actually but as well as the um just like the smarter people who might have gone and worked as like a marketer at facebook and they learned how to engineer every click that you make, they might go and do something amazing in crypto that they they create something that makes them, uh, like they're able to monetize it in a way that's not exploitive. Um, really viable. Yeah, so I think that's the direction we're going where like there's more and more smart people and more and more money going into crypto every cycle. And this time, like we've seen a 10x growth from that price floor of 3,000 in March 2020 to the price floor of 30,000 now. Like, of course, we had this crazy fluctuation to 64K, 65K or whatever. That's normal. Um, normal. So it's just like you look at any chart, just think of it as like a a fractal. You look at the five minute chart, you see those crazy extensions that then revert to the mean eventually. Mm-hmm. or they revert to some sort of channel that the price is operating within. And that just keeps happening on larger scales. Uh, out, zoom out. Exactly. So yeah, five, that's, that's my five year guess. 10 year. I don't know. Just, I can't even say auto, like, auto <laughs> five years. Yeah. Have just keep on, keep on moving where the trend is going and try to beat it, but don't to get too ahead or the wave will crush you. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing, like, one point that I think Raj is his name from the previous podcast. He made a really good point, I thought, about timing as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Where you don't want to be right too early because you won't be able to get the funding or, like, the access to capital and the access to people as if you were right at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, there's a whole trend happening. There's the whole movement. There's more hypeness happening in the air where people are ready to just – like right now, crypto is in like two years ago. Like, what if you had the best idea of all time two years ago? No one will fund you. Right now, you get a two billion dollar uh, A16Z valuation happening. You know? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's it's time. Blockchain capital, so many funds that they aren't even being like you know 
A's 16 Zoom is all the press, but like it's a lot of funds raised. There's just so many firms. More than that, that that shit that 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 list I gave you. Yeah. Um, there's more than that, but those are just the top 100 firms. So um yeah, man, it's it's exciting and this was awesome, bro. Like you're gonna break in like in the next month, the lead at the latest. Hopefully the next week. I got things rolling, but we'll see. Right? <laughs> yeah, man. Keep me posted, bro. Uh, this was awesome. We're definitely going to be working together um, and just, you know, figuring out how to grow breaking crypto, breaking the future and just how to help each other on, on life, man. This is sure. awesome, bro. You're, you're super, you're on the right path. Um, and let's, let's get it, man. So uh, you got any for- plans for the fourth? Yeah. So I have some cousins I haven't seen in a while because I lived in Alaska for like a year and then I, the COVID happened yeah, for like over a year. Yeah. So it's like I've been away from most of my extended family for quite some time. So it'll be nice to see them tomorrow. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I grew up in the suburbs and one of my cousins bought the house I grew up in. Well, that's cool. It's like my house in a totally different context. Yeah, that's cool. Keep it in the family ownership. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. How about you? What do you got going on? Um, I'm about to get ready to go to my cousin's house. <laughs> it's raining pretty hard here. Uh, like there, I saw them say, "Be safe in the rain." Um, <laughs> we're having a, a plentiful rain in this beginning of summer, but gonna go over there, hang out, just have some cousin extended family time. Yeah, it's gonna rain for the next couple hours, but yeah. oh, cousins are great. What'd you say? Cousins are great. They're fun. Yeah. My cousins are like brothers and sisters. So. You have siblings? Uh, yeah, I have a twin sister and an older brother. Oh, twin sister? Is she into crypto too? Uh, no she knows about it she reads the blogs and she yeah. she better be watching the videos of podcasts um mm-hmm. so yeah uh, my brother's into it because of me <laughs> and uh we we ran a software company together we still i'm not day-to-day anymore but i'm still on the board and co-founder of Uzo, and so he's a ceo founder a co-founder so um yeah we're we're like super close we're all close so we're blessed and uh yeah well how many years difference do you have um, me and my sister, three minutes. Well, you and your brother. <laughs> yeah, I was so was joking. And then uh, saw the thunder. And then um, me and my brother, four years and nine months. Four is that's kind of an intermediate range. My brother is actually seven years older, wow. which was kind of insane growing up because I would be fifth grade, he'd be in twelfth grade. I'd be in twelfth grade, he'd be long gone outside of the house. And yeah, basically wow. both only children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That's cool though. Y'all are pretty cool. Y'all are pretty close. Generally. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's nice, man. Well, you enjoy your cousins, man. I'm enjoying my cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll be texting. All right. Sounds time. good. All right, man. You have a great one. Happy fourth. Fighting for freedom still. It's an ongoing thing, right? We're we're a young country, right? <laughs> yeah, we got time. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, we'll talk soon. All right. Bro. Peace. Yeah. Later, man. Hey, you already know what it is. Zachary Roth. Um, I didn't ask him where we could follow him, but I already know his stuff. So you'll be able to follow him on his Medium, Twitter. I'll put his LinkedIn in the in the um, description below and in the podcast. Hey, love you guys. Breaking in the future. All things crypto, blockchain, electric vehicles, cannabis, IoT. AI, robotics, IoT. I said it already. Let's love y'all guys. Let's go. Peace.